I say in faith, this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In the book of Matthew, we've been here for a while, so I'll read it in your hearing one more time. It says in chapter 7, verse 27 and 28, And so it was, when Jesus ended these sayings, somebody say these sayings. When Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished or amazed at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. Somebody say authority. And not as the scribes. Amen. Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. This is going to be our seventh and final sermon in this series that we call Astonished at His Teaching. And I've given you this definition, and I hope it's registered in your heart. It means to be struck with amazement. That's why they say they were amazed at his teaching. To be thrown into wonderment, to be shocked, confounded, or perplexed, to cause to marvel. Now, our text scripture, which we're going to look at in depth today, is the end of Jesus' powerful Sermon on the Mount. And I've been saying that this was Jesus' inaugural sermon. You know, it was the one that he uh, gave to his disciples and those who were with him, the standards by which they should live by or strive to live by as they live for him in the earth. And so if he's outlining a standard that we are to live by, that means that we need to be ensuring that we understand the standard that he set before us. So we can measure up to what he is laying out. And so it's important for us to understand that this Sermon on the Mount is the, the foundational sermon of the gospel that Jesus wanted us to get out. And if we can understand the standards in this, then we can understand how God's operate, God operate in his kingdom. Because all of this was about the kingdom of God. And sometime in the sermon, Jesus used poetic and metaphoric or hyperbolic language to create a strong impression. We're going to see some of that today. Uh, to invoke a strong, strong feeling in us. So that when he says certain things, he wants us to feel it as he makes his point. Now, and now oftentimes when he said these things, it left those who was listening to him astonished at what he was saying. So now before I proceed today to the uh, conclusion of this, I just want to kind of give you a quick review of some of the things that Jesus taught. And I highly recommend, you know, because this is his inaugural sermon, I highly recommend that you go back on your own and read 5 through 7 of Matthew or go back and listen to this because I believe every time you listen to it, God will reveal something. Every time you read this, God reveals something to you because there's so much in it, there's no way you can get all of this in one setting. So it's important that you do that so that you will have a, a solid foundation to build on. So some of the things that we talked about, first, we learned about the Beatitudes, when Jesus outlined how to be blessed, somebody say blessed, in the kingdom. He told us what these are the things you need to do to be blessed in the kingdom. Then he admonished us to be salt and light. Y'all remember that? He said we ought to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so therefore he said that so that we could glorify our Father in heaven. Then he shocked us when he made it crystal clear that sins that we commit 
starts in our heart and in our mind. God judges us by what we are thinking before we carry out the act that we are. And so if God, if we understand that God judges us by our thoughts, man, that ought to change our thought process. And if we change our thought process, I believe we can change our actions. Amen? Then Jesus challenged and commanded you to love your enemies. That was a tough one. Because you say you got to love folks that hate you, talk about you, and all that. And you know, that, that kind of shocks some people. We often hear that. But I don't think nobody really know how to live that out and show love to someone that hates you, you know, abuse you, talk about you. But that's a kingdom principle. And God expect that from his children. Somebody say amen. amen. Then Jesus gave us what we call the model prayer, the Lord's prayer. We've got enough in there for you to have to keep you grounded every day. And then he told us not to worry about the basic needs. Because if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all those things will be added. Amen? And on last week, we learned about how to righteously judge or correct one another when we error from the truth. He, he emphatically emphasized that you must, also he emphatically emphasized that you must be a persistent prayer. Prayer. In other words, he was trying to teach us after he taught us how to deal with one another that it's important that we have a persistent and consistent prayer life. Prayer is not something that we go to God with when we're in trouble or in need. It should be something that we go to him every day to maintain a healthy relationship. Amen? And we close with his teaching on the golden rule, which we were brought up with, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Jesus made the action first. It's up to us to do to other people what we want them to do to us. We don't wait and let them do to us first, and then we do unto them we do first whatever we will have people to do unto us. Amen? Now, as we conclude this sermon today, Jesus used some comparative language and, and contrasting language when he's talking about life's way. And in this, he, he gives us the things that will lead us to the kingdom of heaven or things that could lead us to destruction. So what we're going to see today, Jesus outlined two ways, two trees, two houses to illustrate that life that you are living in this earth, in this earth is about choices. That you got a choice to make. Which way you're going to go? What, how good are you going to be? if when it comes to comparing your life to a fruit, and how are you going to build your life? Are you going to build it on something solid, or are you going to build it on something sandy? So Jesus lets us know that the choice you make will determine whether or not you're going to have life or you're going to be destroyed. Amen. So now as he was telling his followers this to illustrate that, he was warning them and commanding them at the same time. He wanted them to make wise decisions that lead to eternal life and not to destruction. You know, in this we'll see that the Bible is full of binary choices. You know, you either take the wide path or the narrow path. You're either good or bad. You're either, you know, righteous or unrighteous. You know, you're either wise or foolish. 
full of binary choices. You know, either you want to live holy or you either for me or see, when you see binary choices, that don't leave you no middle. You either blessed or cursed. He, he didn't say that was somewhere in the middle. You either he wants you either hot or and we know that lukewarm gets so Jesus let us to know that life is about a binary choice. There is no gray area when it comes to the kingdom of God. When you start nuancing things and make it gray, then people get confused. But people understand a wide way and a... It's just that preachers are afraid to talk to them consistently about the narrow. You get more people when you talk about the... But it's important for us to let people know that Jesus said, you're not on a highway. You're on a one-way street. And this street is only going to take you to one place, and the way to get there is through me. Let me read what he said, because I mean, I get excited when I get, you know, as I read, I done read the scripture before a lot of times, but this time it meant something a little bit different. Look at this in verse 13 and 14. He says this, you can enter God's kingdom only, somebody say only. I think most of y'all through English know what the word only means. Only don't give you a lot of choices. So he says you can enter God's kingdom through only through the narrow. Somebody say narrow. So now that if you can enter through the narrow gate, then he comes back and tells you what the wide gate is going to do for you if you get on that path. He says the highway to hell. Somebody say hell. You know, the young folk don't believe there's no heaven or hell, so therefore, they don't know what highway they're on. But if those of you who believe there is a heaven or hell, you need to make sure that you're on the highway that's going to heaven and not the one that's going to hell. Because there are going to be a lot of people who think they're headed on the one-way street, but they're on the eight-lane highway, and they're headed to... This one ain't going to go today. I know it. Because Jesus shouldn't have ended his sermon talking about hell. He could have talked about anything else, Cliff, but he said, look here, I need you to know before I finish my sermon and sit down and take my seat, you're going to end up somewhere. And the highway that you're on is going to determine where you... He said, the highway to hell is broad, and its gates is wide. For the many, somebody say the many, for the many who choose that way. Life is choice driven. You got a choice to make. You can either choose the wide highway or you can choose the narrow way and end up in eternity in heaven with the Lord. So now look at this. So Jesus said, now look, but the gateway to life, somebody say to life, the life, that must, the gateway to life, the gateway to the where you're trying to go in me, the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few will find that. Wow. Now Jesus said that. So that let me know. I know the young folk don't like this. Sometime in life, if you are doing something and you say everybody else is doing it, it is a good possibility that you are on the wide way. Not the, because there's going to be few who find the, it's almost like Jesus gave the Marines their slogan. He's looking for just a few good, 
good soldiers, good men, good women, just, just a few. Because with a few, he can change the world. But sometimes when preachers preach wide to you, they never narrow that highway down and say, hey, look, it's not difficult because it's hard to be a Christian. It's difficult because there's only one way to get there. That's what makes it difficult when I got to tell you that Buddha can't get you there. Mohammed can't get you there. The Dalai Lama can't. When you start saying that, the highway get. I know that wasn't going to go over well. I know it. I know it. But, but, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but I'm the one standing at the door. I'm the one that let the sheep in and decide. I'm the judge that sit on the throne that make that decision. And without me, you can't. I know that's tough. I know that. But he said, and he's teaching this to his disciples because he knew that they were going to go out there and they were going to have an opportunity to walk the wide way. Because there were going to be people that was going to try to pull them the wide way. See, when you start narrowing things down, sometimes you narrow down a lot of folk. Amen. But that's not a bad thing because he said only a few going to get there. Now, Jesus said that, but that don't mean that we don't have a responsibility to go out there and present the narrow way. We got to tell the world that the way is through Jesus. And he left us a standard. If we read these five, five, if we read these chapters of five through seven, we can find out what God thinks and what Jesus thinks about those who he wants in his. The kingdom is open to everybody, but only those who obey the king's rule gonna be blessed. Well, how'd I know that? Because next he started talking about two trees. Two trees. And he talked about these two trees and their fruit metaphorically to warn his followers of the false prophets who would come in disguise and deceive, deceive them and lead them to destruction. Now look at this. Jesus let us know that false prophets, false preachers, false teachers, false believers can be identified by their fruit. In other words, their conduct and character, along with their deeds and action, will determine who they are as well as their doctrine. See, some people can preach, preach bad doctrine and you just don't know it. But when you know what God's words say, you can discern bad doctrine when you're getting it. So therefore, once you discern bad doctrine, because, you know, if you understand bad doctrine, you can catch that alone before you catch their foolishness. Eventually, if you hang around them enough, Cliff, their foolishness is going to show up. But if you understand what they're saying first, you can kind of discern that the foolishness is going to come a little bit later. Because if it's a bad tree, eventually it's going to bear bad. It ain't going to be no in-between. The fruit's going to be either good or bad. And look here, a bad tree can bear fruit that never comes to fruition or never come to maturity. So in other words, if you had a peach tree, Brother Herb, and you've been nurturing and, and, and tilling up the earth and 
fertilizing that thing for five years, and all it does is give you these little green knots for five years. You're going to eventually determine that must be a bad I done did all I was supposed to do. Put fertilizer. I watered it, Cliff. But after five years, I, I gave it five years. And all it gave me was look green. You'll be frustrated with that tree. And when you get the first chance, you're going to either go out and get you another tree and cut that one. Because it ain't doing nothing but taking up space in your yard. Because it's not doing what it was designed to do, Candace. If it was designed to produce peaches, then when I need a peach in its season, a peach ought to be on the tree. And at some point in time, I'm expecting this tree to bear mature fruit so that when I eat it, it tastes. I remember we used to go and steal plums as a little boy. We couldn't wait till they got right. You know, we go out there and get them early, and then all of a sudden something that's supposed to be sweet tighten your mouth up. Now, now look at this. What did Jesus get when he bite into you? And he thinking he's finna get some good fruit. And all of a sudden he bite into you and his lip. See, our conduct and our character can make his lip go. And when you did that with that peach, what did you want to do? You didn't want to swallow that. Some of y'all, ah, no, nah, I swallowed. Then your stomach was hurting the next day. You won't know. <laughs> I ate it anyway. Okay. Someday down in your system, they're going to agree with it. Then now, now you got another problem. So what Jesus is saying, look, you better understand the fruit that you're dealing with because if you end up with bad fruit, you're going to have some bad problems. Let me stop just rambling. Let me just go ahead and read this because sometimes I can get carried away, but I hope I'm on point. Look at this. In verse 15, he said, beware. Somebody say, beware. Look out for warning you. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are very, really, are really vicious wolves. People will come in the church, stand where I'm standing, and disguise themselves. And they can look less harmless as the little sheep, still in the church blind, sleeping with the women in the church. Mm-hmm. Teaching bad doctrine. Getting caught up in self. Distinguish themselves. Just disguise themselves as harmless. See, that's why you need to know what the Bible says and you need to have a discerning spirit. See, we spend too much time looking at the outer man when God looks at the... See, even when he gets to the houses over here, I'm getting ahead of myself. Saying, now look here, Cliff, you can take two houses and they can be beautiful on the outside. They can have the same adornment on the outside. But it's the thing that you don't see that makes a difference. We look at the things that we can see in people's lives instead of the things that we... Because what you don't see is eventually going to reveal who they really... Let me read on. He says, you can identify them identify them by their what? Now, it's the same way I just gave you an analogy of the tree. Most of us know when you look at a tree, some trees look almost the same. You just go out there. You ain't, if you ain't not that sharp, 
You ask me, that's a peach tree or pear tree? I don't know, man. It looks it's a tree. Peach tree, pear tree, plum tree, apple tree. All I see is a tree. But give me some time and let me see what show up. Because what show up, I can see and I know the difference. I know the difference between a lemon and an apple, a pear and a peach. I know the difference. I can distinguish that. And Jesus said, look here, sooner or later, what's in a person going to... You just need to sit back and watch. Because it's going to come out. And if an apple come out and it's an apple tree, praise the Lord. But if a lemon pop out, you better say, uh-oh, something may be wrong with this tree. And Jesus ain't talking about a tree. He's talking about folk. He says, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. You can, pick, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? I had to look up thistles. That ain't normal language for Pastor Bolden. Thistles, I done heard it before. Yeah, thistles, you know, we just call them stickles. I don't know why they had to get all proper thistles. Just stickles. If you ever said stickles, I would have got that thing. But I had to go look it up because I want to make sure. You know, prickly. Something that's going to prick your finger. You know, it's another way of them saying the same thing. They could have just left it with the thorn bush, but they had the thistles in there. And see, Brother Dan, you, you, you sort of a country boy. You know the difference between a blackberry and a grapevine. See, when you pick blackberries, babe, you got to be careful. You just can't haul off in there and just grab your handful of them because they look good. See how we do? We haul off and grab some stuff and look good. And by the time we realize, we got a handful of stickers. Because you did not discern before you just jumped into something. And that's what Jesus is trying to give us there. Hey, you just can't jump into things with your life because your very soul depends on decision, the decision that you make. And you got to be able to look at that and see those stickers and say, that's a blackberry bush and it got thorns in it. I'm going to treat it different from a grapevine. Anybody ever pick grapes? When you pick grapes, man, you ain't worried about your hand. You just pull them down, just start eating, have fun with grapes. But blackberries, you got to be very careful. Some fruit, some people, you got to be very careful with. Because if you're not careful and don't understand, they'll stick to you. And you know you don't like to be stuck. And so when the wrong person stick you, you take it out on God and want to leave God's kingdom instead of just saying, I need to cut that dude loose from sticking me. Yeah. Ah, God, I don't know how I got there. He said, now look, a good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. He didn't say in the middle somewhere, so-so fruit. The fruit going to either be good or bad. Then he says a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. I know the man was talking about something today about how you get where you may get end up in life. But we end up in bad places because of bad choices most of the time. And so when we make bad choices, we, we produce some bad fruit. Now, that don't mean that we can't be 
reconciled with God, but at the same time, we got to acknowledge the choices that we There's always consequences to your choice. And so therefore, if you make a bad choice, chances are you're going to get some bad consequences. But the good thing is God can deliver you from your bad choices. You just got to come to your sense and acknowledge, I made a bad choice. I learned my lesson. I'm not going to make that same mistake. Again. Now look what he says. Verse 19. So every tree, look at somebody say so every. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is what? And thrown in the fire. Now I don't care how you slice and dice that cliff. That ain't, that ain't a good feeling. To have the person who run the vineyard to cut you down and throw you in the fire. I believe that fire is equivalent to what he just said about going there. I don't want to get into a theological debate, but I just don't want to go in the fire. So whether hell is real or not, I'm going to take my chances and try to bear good. I ain't going to test the theory. I ain't going to test the hypothesis, if that's what you want to call it. I'm just going to believe that if I do good, I'm going to end up in a good place. Then he comes back in verse 20. He says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. That's why the old folks used to say, and I don't know if they get it out of the Bible, your action speaks louder than words. What we do speaks louder than what we say. And Jesus is saying, because there were false teachers going around, and they was very smooth. You know, they could pontificate, and they probably was eloquent in their speech. But just because a person is eloquent in speech and can talk with fancy language, you still better watch their action. Because sooner or later, what's at the core of their being, oh, I thought I dropped them. What's at the core of their being is going to come out. That's what Jesus said. At sooner or later, who you really are is going to show up. See, you can sit in here on Sunday morning and put on your church face, got your church clothes on, you know, your designer mask, all that. And looking at you sitting here, I have no clue whether you're good or bad fruit. Because even when I was a heathen, I put on good behavior when I went to church. When I didn't even know the Lord. Didn't even care nothing about Jesus and all that. But it was something about going to church that made me display another behavior. But then when I walked out, I transformed, Cliff. I, I, I transformed. I was like one of them little cars. I transformed into somebody entirely different. The people in church probably thought, that was the nicest young man I ever met. But they just didn't know. They saw me covering up the bad fruit. Because I didn't let them see the bad fruit when I came in the house. They should have followed me after I... 
See, in here, all of you all and all of us going to camouflage the truth. And I hope that some of us don't even have to put on the camouflage because we good all the... I don't have to come to church and play good. I can wake up and know that I'm going to be. Now, I know some people say, well, you know, if you're looking at folks like that, is that judging? No, I ain't judging nobody. I'm just saying when I see a lemon cliff, I know a lemon. That's all I'm saying. Adrian, why you want me to lie and say I see a lemon, you know, and then call it an apple? Just because, well, I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge you. I want you to, no, lemon. And so what I'm trying to say, if I'm supposed to be an apple and I'm trying to live out an apple life, then Jesus say, hey, look here. I can call you a lemon, Wayne. I can call you a lemon. I know you're an apple. I'm just using you as an example. And so what we got to understand here is that Jesus was very serious in what he was teaching his believers. He was just telling them how could they identify people when they go out there in the world to represent him. And he's saying, don't identify folk by what they say and the face they put on when they're up in front of folk. You better identify what's produced in their life, what's in their heart, because God sees their heart. You don't right now, but you've got to be able to discern what's in their heart, because what's eventually in their heart is going to come that's why it goes all the way back to Jesus' earlier teaching. You've got to get your heart right because the thoughts start in your heart. So if you get your heart right, your fruit will be right. All these things that he's teaching us connect to the end that he's trying to get us to achieve. He's saying, look, I want you guys to live in a way that people will want to follow you and be a disciple of me. But they can't do it if you're producing bad fruit. And you can't even identify bad fruit. When you're the pastor, you're the teacher. Now look at this. After that, I thought Jesus could skip right on to the house. I started talking about the house and building. But he kind of throw something else in here that shocked me. When he said in verse 21, not everyone, somebody said not everyone. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord. That means that we can say the right thing and not be doing the right thing. We can know how to sound religious and say all the religious, you know, jargon that go along with it. But he says, not everyone who calls me. So obviously what we say is not what gets us in. In addition to what we say, there got to be some things that we... He says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's that word again. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter in. Wow. Now that's, a, that's one of those aha moments there. All this time, I've been going to church, Lord, Lord. And Jesus has been looking at my heart all the time. You're down there hollering, Lord, Lord, and thought that was going to get you in the kingdom. Your Sunday morning performance wasn't good enough. You, you got to actually do some of these things that you preach about. 
Your Sunday morning performance may impress people, but it ain't impressing. Jesus said, only those. You ain't that only those. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, he connects entering to a place. So obviously, heaven to Jesus is real. And his Father is the one who runs things. And Jesus says, now, if you want to get in there, there's a certain way you got to live in his kingdom. You can't live in his kingdom any kind of way and think you're going to get to. Well, how do I know? Because one day he say, you're going to have to stand trial. Look at this. On verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Now look at Jesus. Jesus said, look here. You don't know. I'm the judge. They're going to say to me, Lord, Lord. They, you know, we acknowledge him as we say that, but Lord, Lord, I mean, do you really live like he's your master? That he's in control of your life? That he's calling the shots for you? Lord, Lord. See, the Savior we love, but we often time together sometimes real quick when we say, oh, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Glory to God. Yeah, we like that Savior part, dying on the cross for your sin to get you saved. But we don't like that Lord part. He didn't mention nothing about saving right here. He said, Lord. In other words, you got to see me as the master. You got to do what I tell you to. Can I get an amen right there for something like that? God, look at this. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name, and we perform miracles in your name. So that means my name got power, and some bad folk can. But just because they're using my name and doing things, don't mean that they're in relationship with. There is a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing of. Jesus. A lot of people know of him, but many don't. Knowing him connotates an intimate relationship with him, where you get to know him. See, a good example is from my generation. I can say, man, speaking off the top of my head, boy, I know Michael Jordan. No, I don't. I got all his 23 stuff, 23 this, 23. I got to jump this one, jump that one. You know, I know of him because I wear all his stuff. But I don't, because I spend no time with him and have no relationship with, I have relationship with his merchandise, but I don't know them. And what Jesus is saying, you're going to have to do no more, more than just the merchandise. I love Jesus. The Lord is my Savior. You got it on your car tag. You got it on this. That don't mean you know. Knowing him requiring you to get into an intimate relationship with him where you fellowship with him often and where he know your heart, you know his heart. And so therefore, when Michael Jordan see me, hey, that my boy Bolden. Come on up here. I walk in the room, that dude look over me. I know him, but he don't know me. And see, 
That's the relationship a lot of people are in, sadly to say. They know him, but he don't know. That's tough. And I'm glad he put this in writing because look here, if he hadn't put it in writing, then people have a hard time accepting this because he said it and it's in red. Let me read that one more time. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. Then what I'm going to say to them? Come on in. Let's sit down and watch the angels put on the show for us. Let's have a seat. Come sit next to me. But I will reply, because I'm sitting in the judgment seat now. I never knew you. You know, that also carries the flip side of that connotation is that he says, I never knew you, but it also so can mean you never knew. Came every Sunday to church, babe, but I really didn't. Came to Bible study on Wednesday night. Did good things, but I really didn't. I didn't have that intimate relationship where I know he guided my life. He he ordered my steps. He helped me make these decisions about good and bad, the wide highway and the narrow highway. He helped me through those things because I got a relationship with him. A lot of times when we know him and have no relationship, we don't make decisions based upon what he would have us to do. We make decisions based upon whatever the influence is in our life that is governing what we do. That's tough. When Jesus said, I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. That very last statement is very key. If we are not lawbreakers, then we stand a chance of being good fruit. If we are not lawbreakers, we stand a chance, Cliff, of being on the narrow. But if we find ourselves breaking laws in accordance with God's word, then against chances are we're walking on the wide path, and by walking on the wide highway, we're going to produce bad. This is the very end of the sermon. Let me read the last part. It didn't got quiet here. I, I would imagine that when Jesus was preaching right there, he got right there and started telling her, you know, some of the folks said, man, look, I thought I knew you. I thought we did all that stuff in your name. And you're going to tell me, depart from me? I never? I can imagine some people standing in the audience with a, huh? I did all that in your name. And then what you going to tell me? But obviously, your heart and my heart was not the same. So don't get impressed because people say, in the name of Jesus. And tack it on to every other sentence in their prayer. In the. In the. Man, that's equivalent to, hey, you don't cast out a devil in his name. But what type of fruit are you producing after we pray? Jesus can use any instrument he wants to serve his purpose. But if that instrument don't have his heart, is it just used for that particular assignment?
when the Lord wanted to use the devil to mess with? Job. He used him for a purpose. And after he no longer needed for that purpose, he let him know, I'm still God. So what we got to do is we got to strive to make the decisions that's going to cause us to stay on the narrow way and produce good fruit. Then finally, look what Jesus says. I'm almost done. Jesus now started talking about a house. Again, alluding to people. He says a house. Now, the illustration of two houses stressed the importance of us building our lives and practicing the wise words that Jesus taught in the sermon. In these verses, we also see a common biblical, you know, comparison where Jesus now compare wisdom versus foolishness. You remember the wise virgins and the foolish virgins? So there's some correlation here to when Jesus said about our decisions that we make. The wise virgins made some good choices, so when the, you know, the groom came, they were ready. But the foolish one made some bad choices. You are the results of the choices that you have made. And if you have made good choices, chances are you may be in a good place in your life. It don't mean that bad things ain't going to happen to you. Because as we read this, we're going to see that both houses experience the same thing. So life is going to hit you whether you're in Jesus or out of Jesus. But the determining factor is what's going to happen to you while life is hidden. Are you going to be destroyed by life? Are you going to survive life? The choice is yours. And the choice is based on, Cliff, what you build your life on. Don't build your life on things you can see. Build your life on things that you can't see. Don't build your life on the material things you have. They're nice to have, but look here. When troubles hit, your stuff just ain't going to do you no good. When that doctor report comes, your troubles ain't, your stuff ain't going to do you no good. When, when, the, when the enemy is attacking you, your fine china ain't going to do you no It's good to have and use it for its purposes, but don't build your life on things that you can't take with you. You got to make choices that's going to determine where you end up in eternity, and those choices will impact how you live on this side also. Now look at this. One who lived, one whose lives is impacted, how, how our lives is impacted based upon what we do with what Jesus say. And we got a choice to make. You can either do what he say or you can ignore what he say. You know, sometime in life, we all give our children good advice. At least we try to. If you're a good parent, you want to give your children wise advice. Things that you don't learn just by living. You know, you live so long, you just want to give them wise advice. But sometimes you can give your children wise advice, and they have a choice, Fabian. They can either listen to your advice, and they can nod their head and say, yes, sir, yes, sir. That's only half of the equation. There's another part to that, son. When I finish talking, you got to do what I said. Because if you don't do what I said, by you listening to it, ain't going to do you no you are ignoring what I'm saying if you don't do. 
These people knew. They heard. You're here today. Those of you who are online, you know. You see what Jesus said. You are hearing it. But at the same time, if you don't do nothing with it, you are ignorant. I was in the house. I heard the sermon. I was online at home enjoying it, having a good time reading what Jesus said. But are you going to do something? Let me go ahead and read this and sit down. Look at this. Building on a solid foundation. Jesus' words ought to make a difference in your life. So therefore, if we take his words in, then that contributes to us building on a good foundation. Then look at this, what he said in verse 24. Anyone, somebody say anyone. He don't discriminate. Anyone who listened to my teaching and follow it is wise. Wisdom comes with the application of knowledge. When you got wisdom, that means you're going to apply the knowledge that you have learned. So Jesus said, when you listen to my teaching and you follow it, he said, look, it's wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Now, most of y'all live in houses that you maybe had built or you've seen build or you've seen construction go up. You know, one of the first things they put in is the what? Foundation. But once that pretty house come up there, you don't even see the foundation. You don't even see it. It don't get no, pra no praise, no glory. Oh, these drapes, oh, this paint on the wall, oh, these fixes, oh, this, oh, this so good. Those faucets look so good. We praise the things we can see and don't know how sturdy it's built on. You can be praising a house that's built on sand. And then when the first rainfall comes, you in the house, because you didn't inquire and see what type of found. That's why if you're going to have your house built, you better go out there while they're doing the foundation. Go out there and make sure, because if your foundation is strong, you can replace some walls. You can replace some lights. You can replace a roof. But if you've got to replace the foundation, you've got to start all over again. Get this too. If your foundation is strong, your house can be blown away. But they can come and build a, on that same. If you've got a good foundation in Jesus, a storm can come and blow some things away. But after the storm pass over, the foundation is still in place and I can continue to build my life even after the storm, because I got a solid foundation I'm standing on. And what Jesus is trying to get you to see, you got a choice to make. You can either choose to build your life on sand, or you can build your life on a solid foundation, a solid rock. Look at this. He says, look, though the rains comes in torrents, we live in an area where rains can come in torrents, and flesh and flood waters rise, and the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock, solid foundation. See, COVID is causing a lot of folks to just COVID on the rise again. Well, who got you through it last time? We're just talking about that. Some memorials, the men say, you need to put a memorial on your wall, say, COVID. God delivered me through COVID last year, then the same God going to make it this year? No, I ain't going to do this. I'm going to stand strong. Because I know I'm built on a solid 
foundation. I'm not going to do things that the, the CDC say don't do, but at the same time, I'm not going to collapse because the winds are blowing, because the rains are coming. And Jesus already told you, it rained on the just and the So in every life, some rain is going to come. The difference is, who is your life built on? Verse 26. But anyone, somebody say anyone. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it, it's foolish. Jesus said that. If you just listen to this five through seven that he's taught, and all you're going to do is walk out in and do nothing with it, then he says, you're like a person who builds a house on sand. Because when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Both houses experienced the same thing. But it was the thing that was not seen that determined which house lasts. It is not your outer man, Fabian, that's going to save you. It's your inner man that's going to get you through the storms and the challenges of life. And a lot of times, we dress up the outer man and we don't take care of the, the inner man is the foundation that got to be built on Jesus. So that when life hits you, just like it's going to hit your neighbor, you got to be able to stand strong and say, I know who's going to get me through this. I know the one who can say, peace, be still. Because soon after Jesus did this, his disciples went through a storm. Had to learn this lesson right after he taught them. He said, peace, be still. You know the one who can say to the storm in your life, peace, be still. You don't have to freak out and panic and want to take your own life just because life done got tough. You can say, I got something on the inside of me that got me through the last tough situation, and that same one can get me through. Now, after Jesus finished, this is what they said, when Jesus had finished these sayings, all the sermon, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Now get this, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. See, what happens is, Brother Daniels, those teachers had to go back and look at other folks' writing to build that case on but Jesus says, I am the author and the finisher of this word. So therefore, I don't have to go back and look up Rabbi so-and-so's words. I don't have to go and look up Cliff's word. I can speak on my own authority because I'm the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. So therefore, when I speak, I can speak with the so therefore, preachers, when we go back and use references, we need to go back to the one who is the authority. And when we start quoting him in our text, in our message, guess what? Then we can speak with all. I can't speak nothing in my own authority. I'm not a famous rabbi. I ain't got nobody. But look here. When I understand who I learned from, when I understand what he said, then guess what, Cliff? I can speak with all. Don't have to be timid. You can just speak with us. And all of you who are saved, 
and you know that you, you belong to him, you need to live your life with a Take authority over your life. Give it to him and let him tell you what to do. And stop letting the world dictate who you are, where you're from, and how you're going to get. Look here. Take authority over your own life. Don't let folks speak into your life what don't belong in there. You take authority. Say, Jesus has given me the authority over certain things, and I want to exercise the authority that I have in. When you got the authority over your life and you know who you are, then people cannot define you. They can't put you in this and put you in that because the ability to define is the ability to control. If I can define you, I can control you. But you can't define me and you can't control me because I listen to the one who wrote it all. And we operate in his Man, when you know you're operating in somebody's authority, you know when it's been passed on, you just get bold. Sometimes you even get just bad. Good bad, if that's such a thing. You know, sometimes people can mistake your boldness for badness, clear. But when you know, you know, kind of like in the military, when I started making a little bit of rank, and the chief left me in charge. And I was just a master sergeant, but he left me in charge. I didn't walk around like I was a master sergeant. When he said, you in charge, Bolden, I start acting like what? I start acting like a chief. I didn't go in there and say, hey, this mess up. No, 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 no. Oh, look, this is what needs to get done. Why? Because the chief told me to tell you, and I'm operating in his. You may see these master sergeant stripes on me, but you better understand what's backing them up. And what I tell you is when you talk to people, you may see me in the flesh, but know that Jesus is backing up everything I said. Why? Because I'm operating in his authority. And when I know I operate in his authority, that's why you don't hear me talking about and glorifying demons and devils. I know I have authority over. Yeah, they may attack. They may do what they're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, I got the authority. Because Jesus said, I gave you the authority over the enemy. Y'all better hear me today. Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand. If you live in accordance with the kingdom, at the end of the day, when the storms come, you're going to still be standing. So I just end with this. Are you built to last? Is your life built on something that when tomorrow comes and the trials come, you're going to still be standing? Or are you just built for a season right now and in the next storm, we're going to get washed away? COVID is not the end. <laughs> There's going to be another something else later. And what you need to use is say, hey, God brought me through COVID. He's going to bring me through whatever's coming next year or five years from now. Something else is always authority. Somebody just say authority. authority. Say it like you understand what the word means. Get a, little, get a little deepness in your voice. Say Authority. authority. And when you go to talk to somebody that don't know the Lord, don't you go there sheep. No. I walk in a... I got binary choices for you. You either accept Jesus or you don't. I ain't going to nuance it. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to say it in a nice way. I'm going to try to smooth up to you and be cool and all that. But at the end of the day, I'm going to let you know, 
You either for him, you either on the wide highway or the I'm done. I don't know what else I can say, man. I'm done. So I urge you, man, if you got some time, go back and read five through seven. Slow down, read it all again, chart it out, and I guarantee you, if you follow the things that Jesus said, not only will you be astonished like these people, your life will change for the better. And those five, and those two, those chapters, five through seven of Matthew, can change your life. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise, if you will. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Every head bowed and every eye closed. I got several appeals before we go into our communion service. My first appeal is for salvation. If you're in the house or you're online and you have not made Jesus your choice, I told you in the message today that life is choice-driven. You can either choose him or not. And so therefore, I want to offer you an opportunity to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And the things that he taught to his disciples, they, they, they would mean something in your life too. And I encourage you to do the things that you have heard him uh, talk. So if that is you, you say, yes, I want to give my life to the Lord. I never accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, but I want to. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. If you're online and you want to give your life to the Lord, if the Spirit is speaking to your heart, then I just ask that you give us a call here at 862-3899, area code 850, and hit extension 0, and someone will answer your call. That's 850-862-3899, extension 0. If you're here and you got a prayer concern, just please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. But if you're online and you got a prayer, I see your concern. I see your concern. See your hand. See your hand. Just ask that you get your petitions in your heart and communicate with your Heavenly Father, whatever that may be. And we're just going to lift up a prayer for anyone that's online and anyone that may be in the house. But again, the Bible says you can come boldly before the throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy in your time of trouble or need. So let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks for Jesus' powerful words in the Sermon on the Mount. God, that was a lot for us to digest over these weeks, but I pray that you will move on the hearts and minds of your people till they receive it. Also, God, for those who have petitions and requests that they want to offer up to you, whatever their concerns are, God, you said you would incline your ear down to hear them. And right now, God, I just ask that you move on their behalf. Hear their heart. Hear their hearts cry. Hear their hearts cry and know that the cries of the righteous availeth much. And so, God, we trust in you because you're a faithful God. You said that you cannot lie, so therefore we stand on that truth and believe that when we make our honest and urgent petition unto you, that you will hear them, and, God, we will be patiently waiting for your answer. I thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of the people who have a concern, a need, a request today, God. Show them that you not only hear, but you answer. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in their lives, God, because I know that you're a faithful God. And God, I thank you most of all for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to take on our sin so that we can have this opportunity to enter into your space, into your kingdom, into your presence, God. I thank you for that sacrifice that afforded us the opportunity, God, to be a part of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. My last appeal, if there's anyone online that want to be a part of a, uh, the church ministry, striving, if you're here today and you want to be a part of this church, part of this ministry, we extend that invitation to you also. If you're online, again, you can call that number, 862-3899, extension 0, uh, 850 is area code. So if that's you and you want to be a part of the striving family, 
You can just raise your hand at this time if you want to be a part of the striving family. Okay. I see no hands. Then now we're going to go into our communion service. So we just ask that you be patient with us for a few moments as we celebrate the Lord's Supper.